Well, it's always a privilege to be able to be with you. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 9. That's going to be our passage today. You know, a week from now, we begin a brand new series. The brand new series is going to be called A King's Tale. We're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel. It's actually our preferred way of studying Scripture is really chapter by chapter or section by section is our preferred way to do that. Today, we're taking kind of a one Sunday aside, and that one Sunday is really going to be focused on a, a vision that we want to cast, uh, just, just an idea that we want to share with everyone that has to do with something that you've heard Pastor Chris talk about before, and it's the idea that every year in his in his his life, he wants to have some kind of gospel challenge, that he feels like he's on a gospel adventure, and he feels like as believers that we ought to join him on this gospel challenge, that we ought to be the people who carry the message of the cross, that we carry the message of the gospel everywhere we go. And it's a, it, that's a challenge that's easy for me to pick up, because that's something God put in my heart a long time ago. And I know that that's been true for the people of this church for such a long time, that you would be the kind of people who are sharing the love of Christ everywhere you go. And and that as you share the love of Christ, you would make it crystal clear to people that this gospel that we've been entrusted with is a remarkable, is a remarkable gift from God. It comes from His mercy, it comes from His grace, it comes through conviction, it, it just comes, well, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we would be carriers of that everywhere we go. So today we're going to spend some time focused on how do we carry that message everywhere we go? How do we do that in a way that connects with people every day? And so as we think about that, we're going to use Matthew chapter 9. Well, there'll be some verses we'll look at here in just a moment we'll, uh, to, to kind of hang our hat on today. But before we start thinking about that, I just want to ask you a question. And, and here's, here's what I'm wondering about. Ha, have you ever had a prayer answered? Has God ever answered one of your prayers? Has, has he ever answered one of your I can tell you he's answered He's answered many of my prayers. Here's, a, here's another question that's related to that. Have, has God ever provided for you? You've been praying for something or you've been praying about something, and, and the way God chooses to answer that prayer is through a person. Has God ever done that for you? I think those are remarkable moments in our lives. I can remember being much, much younger and, and thinking that someday I might get to be married. <laughs> um, I, I don't know who would... Who would put up with me, and, and so I would say, God, I don't know who would put up with me, but I do pray, God, that you would allow me to have a godly wife. I do pray that you would allow me to have a, a beautiful wife, a smart wife, a, a wife who challenges me, a wife who prays for me. God, I, I pray that you would do all those things for me, and then uh, at one point, Londa showed up, and I kind of feel like that no matter where I had been in the world, that God would have parachuted her in, no matter where I was. Because he knew that there were things I wanted in a wife that I didn't need. <laughs> and there were things that I needed in a wife that I didn't even think to pray for. And she showed up in Londa. And it's just been amazing to see how blessed my life has been because of the way God answered my prayer through a person. One of the other prayers that I prayed when I was much younger, I've been praying this for such a long time now. I've been praying that God would surround me by, by uh, well, I just, I want to be surrounded by people who are passionate who are committed, who are faithful, who are capable, who love him more than anything else and love his word and understand his word and, and the kind of people that, that we can join together on mission, that we can join together in ministry, that, that our hearts would join together and that we would be able to fulfill some kind of incredible calling that God has for us. You've heard us say it before. You hear it in the welcome video periodically that we believe that God's, he intends to do something in us and through us that can't possibly be explained 
because of us. Well, I've been praying for such a long time that I would be surrounded by people just like that. And it's amazing to think about how God has answered that prayer. He's answered that prayer through the people on our staff, through Chris and through Brad and through Keith, through Rob. Rob's an answer to one of my prayers. He's answered that prayer through people who are in this congregation, through Randy and through James and, and through Steve and through Skip and through Bruce and through Bruce Kobler and so many people through Marsha. It's just been phenomenal to see the way God has answered that prayer, that I would pray something that he would choose to send a person to be an answer to that. I think that's amazing, and I'm so grateful. I'm better because of it. You know, even in those moments where we have disagreements, I, I, I used to pray that God would surround me with smart people, and then I, I changed my prayer. God, I want you to surround me with... You're laughing at that. Are, are, are you suggesting that they're not smart people? No, no I'm sorry. Um, I used to pray that I would be surrounded by smart people, but then I amended the prayer. God, I pray that you surround me with smart people who disagree with me. Because if they disagree with me and they're smart and they're faithful to God, then there's probably something either they need to learn from me or I need to learn from them. And, and God has answered that prayer in my life over and over again. I'm so grateful for that. Today, in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see a prayer that Jesus invited us to pray. I believe it's a prayer that Jesus prayed. And, and I think, I think you could be the answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed. I think. The question is whether or not you'll step up. The question is whether or not you'll really, you'll really step into obedience in following him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we become the answer to Christ's prayer? How can we become the people who pray right alongside him and then answer and become the answer for that prayer? Matthew chapter 9 is where we are. We're going to start in verse 35, and we like to honor the reading of God's word by standing together as we read it. So let me invite you to stand with us, and we'll read this together. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord. That's the prayer that he's invited us to pray. That we would pray that God would send laborers into the harvest. But I think the prayer is more specific than that. He's inviting us to pray that prayer, but I think this passage of Scripture, combined with so many others, invites us to become the answer to that prayer. And here's the reason why. I believe that God has given us each a platform that we can use to connect with people. That's actually, if I were to say there's a doctrine that I'm trying to defend today, that would be the idea that God has given us a platform that we can use to connect with people. That first idea is probably the most important idea. God has given you, not just us as a church, he's given you a platform. Go back to verse 35 for just a second. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. You see, Jesus himself, he had 
a platform. His platform took him into villages and the cities. It took him into synagogues. And while he was there, he would heal people. He would teach people. And he would proclaim the gospel to people. He had this platform. Well, what is, what is a platform? Well, a platform, well, there's, there's really three ideas. There's three ideas for what a platform is. Your platform represents the principles on which you stand. That's the first thing of the platform is you have a platform. It's a God-given platform. And the first idea is that your platform represents the, the, the principles on which you stand. As a believer in Christ, what should those principles be? Well, those principles should be the Word of God. What were the principles on which Jesus stood? Well, he was going from city to city, from town to town, from village to village, from synagogue to synagogue, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He was telling people about their need for a Savior because of the seriousness of their sin. The idea that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, that all of us have failed, that all of us have fallen away from what God intends. And and he brought that message that in spite of the worst thing we've ever done on the worst day of our lives, that forgiveness is available because he was Messiah. He was the one who came to forgive the people of their sin. He came sharing that. And, and those are the principles that we have. That's your platform. Your platform is the principles on which you stand. It represents the principles on which you stand. But it's also more than that. Your platform is also the plan you intend to follow. Your platform is the plan you intend to follow. I wonder, do you have a plan for sharing the gospel with people this year? Do you have a plan for telling people about Jesus? Well, let me ask you this question. That person that gets under your skin the most... The person that just drives you insane. Every time they open their mouth, the dumbest thing ever comes out. (laughs) Um, Every time you have an interaction with them, one of you ends up mad. One of you ends up insulted. One of you ends up offended. You You just never have... Do you have a plan for how you would take the principles of Scripture and share the gospel of the kingdom with them? That teacher in your school that gets on your nerves... Maybe that teacher in your school that you're their pet and they just love you. That teacher in your school that you just get along with. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe it's your sworn enemy. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your competition. Maybe it's your colleague or a coworker. Maybe it's a coach in, in one of the hobbies that you might have. Maybe you play sports. I don't know. Do you have a plan for how you intend to share the principles of God's word, for how you intend to live out the principles of God's word. What are those principles? It's a great verse, and you hear me quote it all the time if you've heard me preach very much at all. It's some of my favorite scripture. Galatians chapter 5 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. And I just believe that if you're filled with the Spirit of God, that you're going to be producing the fruit of God in the way you walk. And the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The best part of that verse is it says, against those things, all those things I just listed, those nine characteristics, those nine principles, there is no law. It means you can serve those things to others as often as you want and never break conscience. You can serve those things to as many people as you want as often as you want and never step outside the bounds of God's desire for you and God's desire for them. So what's your plan to share those things with people? What's your plan to share the gospel with people? It's clear here if you look at Matthew 9.35 again. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing every disease and every affliction. It's clear that Jesus had principles that he stood on. It was the gospel of the kingdom. It's also clear that he had a plan. He didn't just randomly show up in one city after another. and He didn't just walk into a synagogue and say, I'm here today. It's time for me to teach and preach. Could you imagine somebody doing that here? Somebody just walks in off the street. Actually, it's happened here while I've been here. Somebody walked in and said, hey, God says I'm supposed to preach here today. And I don't think he said that. It's happened here. We would think that's crazy. He had a plan. He was following his plan. Actually, it's one of those unique things about Christ that I find so fascinating. He had the most significant mission in the history of history, yet we never find him rushed for time. We never find him running from one meeting to another. We never find him anxious over the fact that he's not going to be in the right place at the right time. Even on the day when one of his closest friends, Lazarus, laid sick in bed, even on that day, When they came to him and said, if you'll just come, he'll be healed. They're doing the right thing. They're coming to Jesus. They're asking him for healing. And Jesus said, oh, no, wait, you don't don't understand. This sickness is for the glory of God. And he waited. I've got stuff here I've got to finish. I can't go be with Lazarus yet. And so he didn't. And Lazarus died. Man, that sounds like terrible timing, Jesus. That sounds like a poor choice on your part. That's what Mary and Martha thought. Because when Jesus finally showed up, Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha were, were the sisters of Lazarus. Mary's so devastated, she doesn't, even, she doesn't even leave the house when Jesus shows up. Martha's so devastated. Well, Martha, she's the confrontational one, right? She gets up out of the house. She meets Jesus right in the town square. And just she kind of scolds him a little bit. If she's, it, it's a scolding that doesn't come from hatred. It comes from disappointment. If only you had been here. If only, if only. And, and Jesus basically says, Mary, or Martha, you don't, you don't understand. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now let me show you something. Lazarus, come forth. And in just the right time and in just the right way, this remarkable miracle was done that gave people from that city and, and throughout the entire region a reason to believe. You see, that's your platform. It's the principles that you cling to, this word. It's the plan that you have, but it's also the place of your greatest influence. Your platform is your place of greatest influence. When you go to work tomorrow, are you doing what Jesus did when he walked into that moment with Lazarus? Are you giving people a reason to believe? Are you fulfilling the mission that God's given you in the workplace? Are, do, you even, do you know the other people in your workplace who are also believers? Do you know who they are? Have you ever met them? Have you ever talked about your faith with other people in your workspace? You see, there come some, in business, there's some hard decisions that have to be made, right? Sometimes you have to decide, you know, are we going to follow the law? Or are we going to treat the law as something that's a little bit gray? Sometimes... Sometimes things are really good and there's a windfall because just business has been really good. What are we going to do with all this money? Uh, and sometimes there are things when things are just really, really tight. And they're so tight, we're, we're going to have to cut back. We're going to have to make some cuts. We're going to have to fire some people. For you and the other believers in your workspace, have you ever thought maybe those are the kinds of decisions you could pray together about? Maybe there are people in your workspace who aren't believers. I wonder how you could... Be salt and light to them. Not carrying with you the judgment of this is what I am and you're not so I'm better and you're worse. Not that kind of, not that kind of message. But I wonder, what's your platform? 
Your platform is the business that you're in. Your platform is the school that you attend. Your platform is the hobbies that you have. Your platform is all the places that you'll go in your life that I'll never be able to step foot. Every one of you has a platform that's different than mine. My platform involves spaces like this. My platform, right now I have, I'm not sure exactly how this has worked, but I've become friends with people who are political leaders in the city of Owasso. I'm friends with people in the city government. I'm friends with people who are on different teams with the government, like the planning commission and like the city council. Somehow I've developed friendships with people, with men and women who just are serving in that capacity. That's a platform that I have that you don't. It's not a better platform than yours. It's just a different platform than mine. What's your platform? What's your place of greatest influence? For some of you, it might be the family that you're in. It might be recognizing that your parents are human and they make mistakes and sometimes those mistakes are huge and they're terrible. And maybe you're the one in your family. Maybe, that, maybe your platform in that family is you can be the one who speak, speaks words of life into your father or into your mother. Maybe you could be the one to speak words of life into your brother or your sister. What are the principles you stand on? Are you just trying to get by? What's the plan that you have? Do you have a plan at all? And what's the platform that God's given you? He's given you an incredible space, an incredible place to share your faith. And so that's the idea that, that we want to we fulfill that idea this year. I believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And the church, that's me and you, those of us who are believers, that the church is his plan for sharing that hope with the world. And it doesn't happen simply because we come together in a room like this. And I've always thought it was interesting. If somebody who's lost, who's not a church person, if they come into this room with us on a Sunday morning, this has got to be a strange experience for them, right? I mean, we just dunked a lady underwater in the, in the middle of a building, right? That's got to seem strange to someone who doesn't know anything about Scripture or know anything about Christ. It's got to be strange to stand up together and, some, and sing some kind of mass form of karaoke, right? That's got to seem strange to people who aren't churchgoers. It's got to seem strange. And then to stand in here, just to sit here with, your, with a book open and maybe notes out. I hope you're taking notes. Maybe notes out. It's got to be strange to someone who's not a believer to come into a space like this and see all the things that we do without any understanding. And you know why that is? Because I think this space is the space we as believers come to prepare our hearts and our minds for the mission God has sent us to do outside of this space. There's definitely a platform here to be used for the glory of God and for his kingdom. This is definitely an opportunity to speak the truth of God that Jesus Christ died for sinners. And I am one of the biggest. And, and, and you need to trust in him for the forgiveness of sin. This is a great platform for that. But you know what? If all we do is limit our, our testimony, if all we do is limit our story, if all we do is limit the gospel to this platform, it's an awfully small platform. Isn't it? I don't know how many people are in this room right now, but each one of you has a platform. It's a place of influence with friends, with family, with coworkers, with colleagues, with people in business, with clients, with people you just come across in the store. You've got a platform that you can use to share the love of Christ, to speak words of life, to do exactly what Jesus did. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing every disease and every affliction. That's your platform. And then in verse 36, look at the way Jesus approached people. And I wonder if we approach people the same way. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know anybody who's harassed and helpless? Have you met anybody who's easily offended? Have you met anybody who's hurt and alone? Have you met anyone who thinks they've got it all together? They think they've got it all together. It looks like everything's going their way. But, but you can tell that they're right on the ragged edge of everything flying apart. You see, Jesus had this habit when he walked through a crowd. And you see, the, the, the pattern is very simple. It's, it's right there in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. The first thing Jesus did is he, he saw people. He saw the people. He saw you and me. He saw the people that were all around him. He saw the needs that they had. Did you notice what he was doing as he was going from city to city? He was healing every disease and every affliction. He saw their need. And he used their need as an opportunity to bring life into their life. He saw people. How do you see people? Or, or do you see people? Do you remember names? Do you know stories? Or, or do you see people more as an obstacle to get through than as a friend to get to know? Or as someone who needs to hear the gospel? Or as someone more specifically, and this is the most important thing of all, that someone that they are someone that God created and has a deep and abiding and everlasting for, love for. How do you see people? Growing up, I went to church at First Baptist Church in Moore, Oklahoma, and my pastor was Paul Box, and his wife was Patty Box. And before they were the pastor at that church, um, they were they were uh, missionaries in in China, and then after they were pastors at that church, they they were uh, missionaries in Germany. And it was funny to hear Paul and Patty talk about their experience in China and in Germany. The, the population density in both of those countries is so much greater than it is here. We've got wide open spaces and places, and sometimes it gets crowded here. But man, there, the train stations and the buses and the, just the traffic is just insane. It's just crazy. And Patty would tell a story that she could be in a square, the kind of the plaza square in Germany, she could be the only one there. And if another German woman or another German man was walking from one side of the square to another and she happened to be directly in their path, they wouldn't go around her. They would walk right through her <laughs> um, because they were just so used to seeing people not as people but as obstacles. I've been to China, and in China, I've been... I've, I've been on that train depot station where you're waiting to get on the train where there's such a mass of humanity that everybody's just pushing and shoving trying to get onto the train because they know if they miss that and the doors close, they're going to have to wait another 25 minutes for the next train to come. I've been a part of that mass. And in that moment, there are no people there. There are only obstacles to be moved out of your way so you can get what you want instead of helping anybody else get what they need. How do you see people? How do you see your boss? Is your boss a means to an end? Or is your boss a person that needs the love of Christ? 
I believe God's put you in your boss's life for a reason, and it's bigger than just so you can pay the bills. Why is that teacher, why are you in that class? Of all the classes you could have possibly been put in, why were you put in that class? I think you were put in that class because there's people in that class, and you need to see them. You need to see the hurts that they have. You need to, you need to hear the hopes that they have. You need to be able to listen with eternal ears and see with eternal eyes. And as you listen and as you see, let God do something miraculous through you. Be moved with compassion for them. Be moved with compassion. The kind of compassion that causes you to do more than just move around them. The kind of compassion, well, that does exactly what Jesus says here. He notices, verse 37, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's our platform. That's our platform for all of 2020. That we would become the answer to that prayer. That we would be the harvesters that are sent out into the field. More than that, that we would be the ones who would pray that prayer. God sent. This is my, this is my one challenge with this verse. It's, and, and I'm not... Gosh, it's going to sound like I'm challenging Jesus here. That's not my intention. I'm not challenging Jesus in this. He's actually saying, he says very specifically, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I think we hear that and we think God sends someone else. So I'm not challenging at all the way Jesus said that. But I am challenging the way you might hear that. Hey God, I have a friend. He needs Jesus. Maybe if I bring him to church, the pastor will tell him about Jesus. Hey, God, there's a friend sitting next to me at school. He needs some help. Um, and and maybe, maybe there's somebody. God, would you send somebody to help him? Well, maybe God sent you. Maybe God sent you to help him. Maybe God sent you. You're in the room that is your platform. How will you be the one to speak the words of life? Well, God, the lady who owns my company she, she just seems to be all about the bottom line and all about the numbers. And I can see her life. It's just, this business is it's eating her alive. God, would you send somebody to speak words of life to her to help her so that my job would be easier? No, that's a worthy prayer. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But maybe that's the reason why God put you there in the first place. What's your place of influence? And how will you use that for the glory of God and the good of his kingdom? How will you do that? Here's what I want to do with the last few minutes. When I say be moved with compassion for people, in the last few minutes of this message, I want to give you five quick things that I think we ought to do every day. These are some things I think we ought to do every day. You can do these five things anywhere, anytime. And actually, there's a bookmark inside your bulletin today, inside your worship guide, that has these five things listed right on them. The first thing that I, that I hope you'll do is I hope you'll pray. I hope you'll pray this prayer. God, I pray that you'll send harvesters into your harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Father, send, send harvesters. Here's the other thing I hope you pray. I hope you pray, oh God, let me be one of those harvesters. Would you let me do that? Would you give me the privilege of that? Here's what I'd like you to do, though. We keep calling this, I, we, we're, we, we keep calling this Platform 936. And the reason why we're calling it Platform 936 is because of that idea that we all have a platform. And then specifically, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That Platform 936 is the idea that we can connect with someone every day. We can connect with someone every day. And since it's platform 9 and 36, and one of the challenges is for us to pray, 
wouldn't it be an interesting idea if maybe even right now you got out your phone and you set a reminder for 9.36 a.m. to go off? Just, just a reminder at 9.36 a.m. every day. You could do that right now. You could just set a, I've got my phone with me. You could take out your calendar, use whatever, whatever app you have or, or whatever way you use to remind yourself of things. But at 9.36 every day, what if you, what if you prayed for someone at 9.36 Every day. There's a prayer that we can pray. As, as we see the people, as, we move, as we're moved with compassion, there's a prayer, prayer that we can pray. Can you show me, can you show that prayer? Um, it's, um, it's one of the slides that's up there. Yeah, there we go. It's probably pretty small. Yeah, this would be a great prayer to pray. Fa- Heavenly Father, show me who you want me to connect with today. Thank you for my mom. Thank you for my boss. Thank you for that client that's just really difficult to deal with. Thank you for, well, you fill in the blank. Let me see them the way you see them. May I treat them with compassion. Help me to serve them well today. Help me to hear their heart. Give me the opportunity to tell them about your grace because of Jesus, about how your grace because of Jesus has transformed my life. Allow me the privilege of leading them to faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 9.36 tomorrow morning. Would you pray that with me? Would you pray something like that with me? What a great way to begin our new year. But every morning at 9.36 to, to, to pray that. That we would be asking God to send harvesters into the field and then we would say, God, let me be one of those harvesters. That's a way to pray. And, and here's another. This is just a simple thing you can do wherever, wherever you go, wherever you are. This is an easy way to begin getting comfortable speaking words of life into people. You could appreciate people every day. Say thank you to someone every day. Hey, I noticed what you did. I noticed that it went above and beyond what you're expected to do. I just want to say thank you for doing that. Appreciate someone every day. This is a way you can make a connection in your workplace. This is a way you can make a connection at school. That teacher that bugs you the most, I wonder how their countenance would change. I wonder how their attitude towards you would change if at some point you stepped up to their desk and said, Hey, teacher, I just wanted to say thanks because you did this and fill in the blank with whatever that was. Appreciate people every day. Here's the third one. This third one has to do with the class that's starting Wednesday night. I think it's important for you to know what you believe. It's really difficult to live the things in this book if you don't know the things in this book. It's really easy to be deceived about the things in this book if you don't know the things in this book. It's really difficult to share this book with anybody else if you don't know what's in this book. It's why that class on Wednesday night that starts this Wednesday night I think is so important. How can you read this for all that it's worth? How can you know that when I'm reading it, I'm not, I'm not reading it through my eyes, but I'm reading it through the eyes that God intends for it to be read, where I'm applying it correctly to my life because I found the truth, not my truth, but God's truth that's written down right here for all of us to see. Know what you believe. My son and my daughter both have friends that are Mormons. And the Mormons, uh, they claim to be a Christian faith, but they're really not. They're really very different from Christianity. And my kids are having some great conversations with them. It's actually inspired them to know what they believe a little bit more. And one of the things I've encouraged my kids to do, because their friends are saying, well, you should just read the Book of Mormon. Read the Book of Mormon. Hey, you should read the Book of Mormon. Well, I've read the Book of Mormon. I've read parts of it, and well, I've read most of it, actually. And, and I've done that, but I'm a lot older, and I've studied a lot more than they have. So my encouragement to my kids has been, let's set the Book of Mormon aside. 
And let's get to know this book. Because if they're a Christian faith, this book is, it, it contains the way. It contains the truth. It contains the life. And when you know this book, the error that's found in the Book of Mormon shines like a star. And that's true for every other possible belief you may ever find. When you know the truth, it's easy to discern the error. When you know what's right, it's easy to see what's wrong. When you know what's healthy, it's easy to recognize when I'm about to take an unhealthy choice. Several years ago, I lost a lot of weight. One of the things I learned is that Oreo cookies are really bad for me. When it comes time to, if I want to keep weight off, Oreo cookies, probably not the thing I should eat. So does that mean I never eat an Oreo cookie? No, that just means when I eat an Oreo cookie, I know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, right? This book allows you to see much more important things than that. It allows you to see what healthy, godly, living, holy living really looks like. And in that moment when you're tempted to sin, in that moment when you're tempted to walk the wrong way, then you can... Mm, and this is challenging. You make that decision with your eyes wide open. You can't say, oh, I just slipped, God, I'm so sorry. No, I've shown you what temptation looks like. I've given you a way out. I've shown you how to handle that. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. That's what 2 Peter 1.3 says. I, I've, I've, I've given you a way out of every temptation. I've made a way of escape for you in every temptation. And so we're now without excuse. God's shown us the way. Why? Because we know what he said in his book. Right. Know what you believe. So first, pray every day, 9.36 a.m. Second, appreciate people. Say thank you to someone. Third, know what you believe. Fourth, serve others. Find a way to serve someone around you. Do, so, do the unexpected. Go the extra mile. Give them something that they didn't expect that is kind, that's generous, that's thoughtful, that shows that you're thinking of them rather than thinking of yourself. Serve someone else. Isn't, it that, isn't that what Jesus said? That the greatest among you will be the servant of all? So again, I go back to that parent that's on your back all the time. Or that teacher that never stops giving you a hard time. Or that boss. Or that coach. How can you serve them today? There's something powerful about a thoughtful act of service. That's what Jesus was doing. He went from city to town to village to, to synagogue, and he healed every sickness and every affliction. He saw the people, he was moved with compassion, and he served them. Pray for people, appreciate people, know what you believe, serve others. And the last one, and this is probably the hardest for us as Southern Baptists. Speak for yourself. At some point, you've got to speak up. At some point, you've got to tell people that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, that, that sin is terrible, that sin is all over us, that we're all broken because of our sin, and that Jesus is the only way of escape, that the only thing that can forgive our sin, the only one who can forgive our sin is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can make that way out for us. At some point, we've got to speak that. The unfortunate part of the way we are as Southern Baptists is sometimes we've gotten into the habit of, this is why you're so bad and why I'm so good. That, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? Where, you know, this is why you're so bad and why I'm so good. What if we adjusted that thought? And instead of saying, you, 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 we said, well, let me tell you what's happened to me.
I was broken because of my sin. I was lost. And I still struggle and I still fight with sin every day of my life. You can be specific if you want to be, as specific as you want to be. You don't have to share too much. You don't have to share too little. But you can just be honest about who you are. I don't have everything together. My life does fall apart. I do have troubles and trials. And I get depressed. And I get upset. And I get, I have bad days. And, and here's something that I know is true. Jesus Christ is my hope. And he's given me a kind of peace that is the foundation. Every day I have a bad day, there's a peace underneath that that I don't understand. But it's something only God can provide. And it's something God has provided. And he's done that. Why? Well, because Jesus Christ died for my sins and he rose from the dead. I've been forgiven of those sins and now he walks with me daily. You know what? You can speak for yourself. This is what God has done in my life. And in that moment where you've prayed for them and you've appreciated them, you've expressed thanks to them, you've served them. In that moment where you, you know what you believe and you know why you believe it, there's going to come a moment where they're going to face a challenge. They're going to face a problem. They're going to face something. They're not going to know the answer, but they're going to know somehow, some way, you have that answer. And you'll have the opportunity to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. You see, that's Platform 936. That's our gospel challenge for this year, that we would connect with someone every day. And it'll start as we pray that prayer, 936 every morning. It starts as we know what we believe. It starts as we decide, I'm going to take this platform that God has given me, and I'm going to use it for God's glory and for the good of other people. And so the only question for the invitation today is, are you willing? Are you willing to be the answer to the prayer Jesus has asked us to pray. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Oh, dear Jesus, send someone else. Is that what he's asking us to pray? No. He's asking you to be that answer. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Send me. Hey, Jesus, send me. You're sending me to school. You're sending me to work. You're sending me to, to ball. You're sending me to, to ride. You're sending me to... Fill in the blanks. Where is God sending me? God, I'm in. I'm all in. So the band's going to come back up, and we're going to pray together. And after we pray, we're going to sing. And as we sing, this altar is going to be open. And if you would be willing to say, I'm going to be that person, God. I will be the answer to your prayer. Then maybe you need to just simply say that at this altar. Maybe you need to come to this altar and say, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I want to use my platform for your glory and for your kingdom. I want to share the gospel everywhere where I go. I want to connect with someone every day. Maybe you want to make that public by coming forward and letting someone know that or just, just simply by coming forward and kneeling at this altar to pray. The altar will be open. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you've heard this gospel clearly presented today, then I pray that you'll place your faith in him. There are people all around you who would be glad to tell you more. I'll be down front if you have questions. I'd love to visit with you. This is the day and now is the time for us to be the people that become the answer to God's prayer in this community. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the work that you've done in us and through us and sometimes even in spite of us. And I pray that this year, that this day, that this week would be the season that we become an answer to your prayer and that we join you in this incredible mission that you've given to us, that we would speak the gospel everywhere we go, that we would live that gospel, 
that we would share your love with one another and with others. That the person who gets under our skin the most, Father, that, that somehow you would give us you would give us the capacity to love them, to forgive them, and to pray for them. That you would give us power as we preach, as we proclaim, and as we simply say, this is the story, Father, of what you've done in our lives. And that we would see people come to faith. Father, give us the privilege of seeing people come to faith in you as a result of the stories and the testimonies that you've given to us. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.